Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of life with IBD. We will hopefully make you laugh, cry, and probably speechless, like Sarah is most of the time when I'm telling my stories. Should we introduce our first ever interview? which I'm so excited about. We had a chat with Britt last week. Her and I actually worked together when we were in our early 20s waitressing. She's just a really good, good human with um, a great perspective on life. She has a very calming energy, which I absolutely love. And yeah, we had a really great chat with her. Well, like I've never really had the opportunity to connect with women who like have experienced this and like are successful in their careers and um in their lives and so happy as well like I just want to talk to you about everything everything (laughs) tell me it all I honestly feel I don't know I've never felt so empowered about my illness other than like right here right now talking with you ladies about it I'm so excited truly I love that I absolutely love that you were the very first person I thought of when I was like who can we interview because we want to bring people on the show and hear everybody's story because with IBD everyone has such different experiences and Mm -hmm. obviously the last time we caught up which was a lifetime ago oh my god so (laughs) long ago yeah I was here on the island I remember that how long was it 2018 yeah Um, but that was the first time we actually spoke about both having ulcerative yeah that was the first time I found out yeah, oh, which is so weird because Cass, Britt and I, oh my gosh, how long have we known each other? Oh my gosh, uh, as long as I've known my husband. So yeah. 12 years. Amazing. And who's more important, Britt? <laughs> obviously, Sarah, obviously. Don't tell my husband I've done that. No. Good answer. Good <laughs> Did answer. you love him? He is. We all worked together at a restaurant yeah. when we were kids. Well, kids, teenagers. It feels yeah. like kids, like 21 Oh, amazing. Yeah. The good the good days. When the there, good were no, days. there were no issues. I feel like, Britt, you got sick whilst we worked together, didn't you? Yeah, um, I did. Yeah. It's been 10 years. So 2011. Yeah. 10 years. I have, I have to write it down or else I honestly don't remember. It was a decade ago that I was diagnosed. Wow. And Cass, like for you, it was when you were 13. So like I was 22. So I couldn't imagine like the difference and what that was like. I was in a new relationship when I started, when I had my diagnosis and like I can't imagine if it was like as you're you know I guess it's just different in a sense it's all kind of wild to think that like I had known my body for 21 years and I had learned about it and knew everything that it wanted and needed and liked and all of a sudden yeah different completely different a really hard age as well isn't it yeah yeah definitely I think like it wasn't easy I wouldn't go back that's for sure and you were in university so, too, weren't you? I was, yeah. I oh was gosh. right in the middle of exams with my first flare-up. It was like two months of tests and and hell, and no one had any idea what was going on. You know, you go through like the, they test you for everything, and it's not enjoyable whatsoever. It's very invasive, <laughs> and no, I did not enjoy it. Um, I don't remember like actually being diagnosed I think I was just so relieved that like I had an answer and I could like defer exams and just like take a minute and breathe and recoup. So it was almost like a relief to find that out. 
but yeah. it hits differently a little bit later I would say for sure. Okay Britt yeah. can you remember can you remember what the kind of worst investigation was that you found when you were kind of in hospital? <sighs> for me I think it's one that I have to do often and frequently so there's added oomph to it but it's the colonoscopy and I have to do a test beforehand a fecal test Mm, sexy sexy yeah sexy I have to do a fecal (laughs) test before that before drinking all that garbage and like that whole experience for me every time is traumatizing I would say it's like a whole body experience (laughs) Did it get easier? No. I mean, yes and no. Like I've learned tricks and things to like five straws, just like suck that stuff back, like back of the throat. Let's do this. But like the process itself, I'm not sure about you ladies, but you know, it's it's a very sensitive area. It's not like the average person, you know what I mean? Your intestinal tract is just it's been through hell and it's it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. Is well, it yeah. the same? Sorry. I don't think I've ever had a colonoscopy in Canada no. because I got mm-hmm. diagnosed in the UK. But in mm-hmm. the UK, I find it, oh my goodness. So they you're awake during it. Um, and they put you on a table. It could be exact same in Canada, but they bring you into the room and then there's just screens everywhere. And so when they put the camera up you, like you can see your intestines, you're like watching them. And then when they take the biopsies and they can see them like pulling at your intestine. Oh my God. It freaks me out so much. I absolutely hate it. I'm like I don't Here we're it. asleep. Here oh. we're asleep for the most part. It's one of those things where you don't remember anything like when you wake up. I had an averse, oh my gosh, I had an averse reaction one time. Oh no. Um, I was, this is a funny one, thank goodness, <laughs> like out of all of it. I'm, I'm mortified, but it's hilarious. Um, I had done them before with another doctor, but this is a new doctor. And so I was expecting to be out, like expecting like money, like unconscious, do your thing. I'm not going to be any the wiser, but I wasn't. And he started and I wasn't prepared for that. And I think I had like, cause I've heard this can happen that you can have like an adverse reaction to sedative and things like that. And I was just, it was like an out of body experience. I freaked out. I was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this stuff? Like the poor doctor was like, oh my God, I better hurry up. Just screaming the whole time. Even as they're like wheeling me out, procedures done, like five minutes, I'm just freaking out. And I honestly had no idea like what was happening. Like it was like very visceral. It was, I wasn't in control in that moment. And my poor husband, my boyfriend at the time, just like looking at me like, oh my God, like, what do I do? They called him in to like calm me down. And I was like, like freaking out. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget that. I apologize profusely to that doctor. He was older and he was so kind and sweet. And I was like, what are you doing to me? yelling at him oh he was lovely though so did they did they work out Brit what you had an adverse reaction to or um I think it's just a thing with like stress as well as the sedative so you're kind of drunk you're kind of loopy you're in and out usually it's enough like he's like I gave you enough for like a 250 pound man so I don't know what was going on here like maybe not quite but yeah, it was just a little mix of everything. It hasn't happened since, so I'm 
thankful for that but I can sometimes feel it because yeah. yeah when you're like waking up and you're confused where you are and people are in your face and like you haven't eaten in 24 hours you're uncomfortable I could be a little crotchety but <laughs> Sarah and I were talking recently Britt about um because obviously when you have to give kind of stool samples as well they're obviously oh. the most undignified samples you give isn't it it's it's not like a swab that you just kind of hand over or can pop it in a pot. And Sarah and I said, you know, like I was talking about being a teenager and having to hand over to some really hunky doctors, like my poo in a pot. hundred <laughs> percent. The whole, that whole process is difficult. Like I'm a bit of a germaphobe, so it's very taxing for me. You basically have to like get really comfortable with yourself. Very comfortable. Um, but I've learned over like my time, like investigating the health and wellness world and different ways to like treat my illness that, you know, our bowels and how we eliminate things in our bodies is a really big indicator on how healthy we are and what our bodies are trying to tell us that we need and how to better fix that. So having like a balance between like, Oh my God, this is so gross to like okay this is my body I love my body and this is good for my body and what are you trying to tell me let's get the big picture here like you know yeah this is this is why I text you all the time when I'm on the loo Sarah this is my excuse (laughs) I I do my best work in the bathroom (laughs) I just look down the loo hey buddy (laughs) (laughs) that's such a good perspective to have though definitely in terms of looking at stool and it's just all the grossness that we have to deal with and yeah. it from more of a health perspective because I am such a germaphobe as well like ridiculous um so yeah it's been so feel you girl. To feel things like this so what do you do now Britt how do you kind of manage your symptoms and stuff do you do it through nutrition well-being medication operation what's your kind of story with regards to your treatment yeah um I my bowels have been through so much and it's been such a such a learning experience there's been highs and lows hospitalizations like close to you know having surgery but coming back from that um and right now where I'm at is every four weeks I get infusions um of the biologic uh medication to lower my immune system I've got two uh autoimmune diseases actually and I found out later that um, one of them is a liver disease it's called primary sclerosing cholangitis and my immune system attacks the bile ducts of my liver so it's always like fighting to repair and then get scarred again and repair. Um, but 80% of the people who have that disease have ulcerative colitis. I was just diagnosed with oh, ulcerative colitis you. first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But not the other way around. Like yeah. if you have colitis, you don't for sure have this other disease. But in my case, um, I have both. So that biologic drug helps me in both those senses, but it's not a one-stop shop. It doesn't fix everything. And I've learned through, I've learned the hard way for sure. The hard way that managing stress, having a proper diet and nutrition and naturopathy is like, I can glow from the inside out and I can accomplish like more than I ever thought I could ever accomplish with this disease with that, like big picture, fine tuning kind of here and there. Nutrition has been a big thing that I've really been lacking. And I found that like I had made all this progress everywhere else in terms of like stress, medication, lifestyle, that kind of thing. Um, but I switched to being vegetarian. I don't know if either of you ladies are vegan or vegetarian. I was for a very long time. I think like eight yep. years. 
when we worked together, oh, wow. I was completely vegan. Yes. Um, yes. I remember but, that. Yeah. I don't think my family even knows yet that I eat meat again. Um, oh, no way. <laughs> during COVID, um, my iron, I didn't know it, but I was like craving steak for the first time in eight years. And I, all I could think about for like a month was like, I want steak. Um, so finally I gave in because everything was yeah. in lockdown and I didn't want to go to the doctor. Um, and then after I did go and they're like, yeah, your iron was incredibly low. Um, yeah. 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 No, I'm like the same way. Like I have, I adopted a vegetarian diet and I was feeling amazing because my body like wasn't using so much energy to process meat. And I found that that made me sluggish. I felt really good for about a year, but the second year it was so hard. I know nothing about nutrition, to be honest. Like I have no idea. Like I know what my body can handle. Um, in terms of diet and moderation, but I don't know where to get adequate protein from. Like, I don't know how much to eat, what not to eat. Like, I don't know if you ladies struggle with like, um, no appetite all the time, nausea, things like that come and go. And like, that was really falling behind for me. And I noticed like, I could really think anymore. I was so tired all the time. I felt like a zombie. Like it felt like I was sick again, but I wasn't. And it was my nutrition. I'm really excited that I am working with the nutritionist to do a meal plan for three months. And I like, cannot wait to see what that's going to do for me. So yeah. you completely yeah. vegetarian now, Brit. So I am a pescatarian now. I eat eggs and fish um, because I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. Um, and that was one thing that consciously felt good and okay for me to do. Um, I don't think I could ever go back to eating meat just not for me but um I found like a balance so now I just need like yeah. extra bits to like really support my body it's crazy how much like protein we need to recover and to heal our our guts oh it's, definitely it's Huge. really difficult we would Sarah and I spoke about this because I've, I've tried to go vegan twice now and again I kind of did it for ethical reasons I did it for kind of health mm -hmm. reasons I like to try new things um, and I, the first time I did it was following a trip to Canada, actually, because I'd literally not had any meats for a few weeks whenever I was traveling. And I thought, well, I can do this. It's really easy. Um, but I, I felt quite ill, probably within the first six months, no energy and really, really low in mood. And I didn't really link anything. And I think my mum tried to say something to me. And obviously, whenever your mum says anything, you just bite their head off, obviously, because they can't say anything right. And then obviously. I tried it, obviously. <laughs> and then I tried it last year, I think, for three months uh, to go full on vegan again. And um, I just felt so, so ill again. And um, so I just think for me, I have to have meat in my diet. And I, 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 mm -hmm. I felt like a different person when I started eating meat again. And I think yeah. so we spoke about this, didn't we? You know, when, when you go vegan as well, there's certain proteins that you kind of put in your diet, whether they're the beans. They were, they, we were having the bean chat, weren't we, Sarah? And they just made all oh, the beans. Me, they, they just made me so ill. So oh, yeah, trying to make all these, you know, awesome dishes that were so, you know, just they and they looked and tasted amazing, but they made me so, so ill. And I just felt, yeah, so sick. And it's, it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? Cause you really want to eat healthily uh, and you want to try really, really wholesome foods and you ethically mm -hmm. want to eat as well. But sometimes for your own particular condition, it won't help. Do you have a go-to meal that you eat for it when you're not feeling the best? Oh, and I'm not feeling the best. Yeah, just really bland, like rice for sure. Any kind of soup. Um, I find that garlic and onions are a big um, 
trigger for me. I have to be very careful with the amount of garlic and onion I consume. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the low FODMAP diet. Yeah, I was reading about that the other day. Did yeah, that, have you tried I it, Britt? I have, yes. It's very difficult um, mm. because, like, for me, garlic and onion is everything. It's delicious. And, you know, it's like the base of all cooking. You know, my husband's a chef. He's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I cook with <laughs> garlic and onion? It's the like, rice. <laughs> yeah. Very bland. Yeah. Um, <gasps> And luckily I could like reintroduce certain foods after that and realize like what worked and what didn't. Um, but I'm hoping with, like, I'm learning through more research that when you balance more of your inside, you're able to consume things and like that you couldn't normally that you had sensitivities to. So I'm really hopeful that I can reintroduce that back into my diet Definitely. and beans, legumes, like that'd be lovely. Cause yeah, it gets boring when you can only eat the same thing, like all the time. Like I do not enjoy when I'm like going, obviously you don't enjoy going through a flare up, but the food itself, like I love food. Food is an experience for me. It's like, I build memories around food. I, I don't eat to survive. I eat to enjoy. Um, so when that happens and you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) my life's sad. (laughs) I think that's the thing, isn't it? To kind of make everyone who's listening kind of be aware that you will go through stages where you cannot eat hardly anything if anything at all and not to feel like that's going to be forever because there's been stages probably all three of us that we've literally like Sarah said it's just that white rice I have the chicken and mash thing if I can't eat in a day it's peppermint tea it's just Mm -hmm. like you said Brit it's getting your body fit to fight again isn't it and once once your kind of digestive system's working in order again you can introduce those foods it might take years because I can eat fruit Mm -hmm. or spice for years and I love both and now I, I eat both regularly um but you you have to get yourself there don't you and it's healing within really yeah absolutely going back to the stress management and anxiety and everything I'm quite curious so Canada obviously um the only country of the three that each of us are in has legalized marijuana yeah a little sad before we got on this call <laughs> Do you find that helps? Because I did get a referral. They do medical marijuana in Australia and I got a referral, but I haven't actually gone yet, Um, but I have been thinking about it. And I was wondering, does it actually help with, well, the anxiety aspect, but also the ulcerative colitis? Have you noticed a difference with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, whenever I talk about marijuana, like the first thing that I say is that truly it saved my life. Like truly. Like I was diagnosed with my disease in 2011 and then in, I think it was 2015, I, I think we don't, we don't know, but I think that my colonoscopy had been contaminated with C. difficile. So C. diff and it's a really, really bad. Yeah. It's a very bad. I mean, it's normal. It's everybody has it in their gut. Like it's or maybe not in their gut, but like it's a normal bacteria that like grows in the ground. But when there's an overgrowth and people can't fight it, they become very ill. And I got so unwell. Um, I ended up in the hospital for a week. And this is a point where the doctors were like, if you don't get better, it's looking like surgery at this point. Um, and they just wanted to give me steroids and they just wanted to give me, you know, more intravenous drugs and then just send me home with like, no real like diet to follow drink more water that will help you I couldn't stomach anything I was right oh sure um I couldn't stomach anything everything everything. I mean it does but 
not everything <laughs> in a yeah. sense, but um, I, uh, I couldn't eat. I was in so much pain. My body was in so much stress, depression, anxiety. Um, I went to the doctor and I asked to be prescribed medical marijuana and he said, no, I went to another doctor. They said, no, they were saying, um, that they didn't want me to get too addicted to it. And that, um, studies just couldn't conclude. And this was the early, early days where it wasn't legalized, but it was for medical use. Like kind of where you are, Sarah, it is not like, yeah. that's how you could use it. And like, I refused to give up because I did smoke it illegally before that, um, when I was younger and I knew that I felt good when I did that. And so I wanted to be able to get the good kind of stuff that specifically helps you with, you know, pain management, appetite and mood as well. And I finally found a doctor who was willing to like really listen to me and, um, prescribed me. And I like, I'm so thankful. I honestly don't think I would be here. Like I am today. If it wasn't for that, like just the pain alone, the pain alone puts your body in a state where you can rest and recover. And that's what your body needs when you're going through a flare up. It needs, you know, that calm rest, you know, where your cells are regenerating and, and taking care of yourself. And that's kind of where medical marijuana kind of put me in the beginning. And then I started to notice after with different strains that I would feel less depressed. I would feel less worried all the time, less anxious all the time. Like the world was ending. Like, what was I going to do? Um, you know, complete loss of identity. It just kind of like brought me back into the present. And I find that that helps a lot with my disease is breath work and bringing myself back into the present where I can't, you know, spend time spinning about the future or the past where all I have is right here, right now and focusing on giving my body what it needs. So I'm an advocate for sure. I've got two plants out here. I'm growing. (laughs) Amazing. I'm so excited. They're beautiful. And it's an incredible plant. Like it just, it's magical. Next thing I want to try is magic mushrooms. I just watched fantastic fungi and like blew my mind. So yeah, it's an incredible research out there, isn't there? Especially yeah. microdosing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, don't get me started yes. on England. We are so behind the times with everything. So yeah. Sarah will be bored of me talking about this now. Cause <laughs> I, I usually start our kind of daily WhatsApps by just having a rant over whatever's going on in England, because we are just that must be tough. another that must level. Be tough. But that's yeah. incredible. And I think you touched, you touched on something that Sarah and I feel quite passionate about as well, Britt, that I think it's really important for everyone out there, even if you go to one clinician and they kind of say no to something, like have that confidence to say, okay, well, yeah. I'd like a second opinion or go somewhere else. You know, by all means, I'm not saying clinicians are wrong, but I'm saying, you know, it's really, really important sometimes actually to have that voice. Or if you're like living with someone or friends with someone that has IBD, to support them with that and kind of advocate for them. Because, you know, a lot of clinicians do have their own personal kind of opinions and views on especially Mm -hmm. kind of newer treatment plans, as we know. And I certainly, I mean, I work in healthcare. I certainly can see a difference in the generations in relation to how they see treatments and medicines, et cetera, et cetera, and alternative medicines. And, you know, the the alternative medicines that, you know, Sarah's tried before. Um, And I think it's really important to have that confidence, isn't it? To to ask for another another opinion, isn't it? And do that research. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. There's too much trust put in to 
doctors and the white coats and things all the time. And, and it can be scary. Like even now, like I have a specialist who takes care of me for both my liver and my stomach. And I still have a bit of fear trying to bring things up to him or challenge him, even though he welcomes it. And like, I can literally email him, which is wonderful. Um, it's still scary. You know, I think I'm scared of the answer and scared of like, you know, just the unknown, but like, it's important that you do that and so that you can learn and, you know, it's your body and how many people do these doctors see a day and, you know, you have to do what's right for you in the end because you got one life to live, my friend. Yeah, we do. We do. And a good one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think um, and, and Sarah and I have said this so many times as well, you know, you can, you can actually be, you know, the same gender, same age, same um, diagnosis, but actually what works for you is completely different. And I think some people, especially when they're newly diagnosed, they'll listen to someone else who says, oh yeah, I just, you know, I'm dairy free, I'm gluten free. I just do this, this, and this, it will, you know, this will work for you. And it's, again, it's really important to kind of try and test stuff yourself, isn't it? Like Sarah Mm -hmm. and I, we eat completely different foods, don't we, babe? You know, we, we have completely different kind of nutritional plans and stuff and what works and what doesn't. Um, And again, I think it's, we've said this so many times, you know, so many, you'll be sat on the tube in London and someone will be giving you advice. (laughs) on your illness and you're like all right thanks Sharon (laughs) (laughs) like I appreciate where it comes from like the energy that they're putting out wanting to help you but like if you don't know that like (laughs) not everybody's body is the same like it's not made of the same things it's not going through the same things like it's not just like a one fix all kind of thing like one size fits all even like yeah And Brit, yeah, Sarah and I have um, have kind of shared before funny things that, well, they're not very funny, but we find them funny because I think you have to kind of have the thick skin when you have, you know, an illness and, and such like. And uh, we shared stuff that people have said to us before. Have you ever had kind of any weird remarks that people have said to you after knowing that you've got well, two autoimmune diseases that have kind of um, <laughs> shocked you? Or I mean, been- there were two instances in my life I find that when I talk to people about my disease nobody has heard of colitis a lot of people are like oh I don't know ulcerative colitis no my Crohn's disease yeah 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 Crohn's they've heard of Crohn's so I'm like okay they're kind of like in the same family you could say yeah um and people generally don't care to be honest like they'll empathize but if they've never been through anything like that or suffered any illness they don't really know really like what you're telling them so they're just like oh okay like they don't really have much to say, but often like I don't, I haven't in the past, like welcomed conversation about it because I was very, I could, you could say insecure about other people or self-conscious maybe about other people, like looking up my disease and seeing the symptoms and imagining me in that way. Like that gave me a lot of anxiety. So like, I didn't really want to talk about it. And when I did, I found that nobody really how much to say about it anyway, except for this one person um, who went online and read everything about it and came back to me with questions, like very intense questions, but like, so you have diarrhea, there's blood. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, why are you talking to me about this right now? But like, I was like, you know what, people don't know about it. And it's because nobody's talking about it. So here's my opportunity to you know, educate someone on, you know, 
different types of people that there are in the world and different things that people go through. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. All right. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'm getting naked with someone when I'm like talking about it. You know what I mean? Because it's very like personal thing. I think like, you know, behind the closed door, like people turn the fans on so nobody can hear them. Like you don't, sometimes it's not enough. <laughs> like for people who in our situation, like the fan going to do it for you. Honey. Um, <laughs> it's like, not such a size. <laughs> Yeah, like, so that was like maybe the only kind of like intense, interesting conversation I've had about it. Nothing like super hilarious, though. I wish. I wish. <laughs> Some people just come out, come out with the weirdest things, though, don't they? Yeah, like I've had people be like, I was working an event once when I was um, working at the Fairmont Bant Springs and overheard someone. It was a, a a uh, meeting for doctors and they were talking about like bowel disease and things and and one of the servers was like laughing like ha, 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 IBS like like a kid like a joke like a poop joke you know what I mean and he was like ha ha and I was just like oh my goodness like that is what I feared like that is what I feared when I say to someone you know this is what I have and then it turns into that I'm like taken back to grade school and just like shamed you know for being you know something that I can't control but um in that moment it just like came out of me and I was like hey <laughs> like what you're saying yeah listen here honey <laughs> and like I gave it to him in like a, a very like loving way if you could say like I was still stern and like firm in my beliefs but like in a way that like I wanted him to be more aware of what he was saying and like if he knew someone that that had happened to or what they had been through like you wouldn't talk about it that way and you wouldn't like make a big joke out of it and like it really affects people's lives immensely in so many different ways that you know you wouldn't say that about someone who's suffering from cancer you know but why is this any different you know it's it's a chronic degenerative disease like but I think too like the big thing and I don't know how you ladies feel about it I would love to get your take and your experience on this too but um is invisible illness that's what I think I struggle with the most about this disease is people see me in a way um but I could be in a lot of pain or, you know, certain dietary restrictions that sometimes I can like um, push and sometimes I have to be very careful and people just like don't understand that and they don't see or feel what the other person is going through. So there can be a lot of judgment placed on other people. Like, well, are you really sick? Like you look fine. You know, I thought you said you couldn't eat that. Or, and there's so much judgment there. And it's like to explain to someone, well, sometimes I can, and sometimes I can't, I have not feeling, or I feel like I'm going to die right now. You know what I mean? Like, especially when I was working like a corporate kind of nine to five job, it was very difficult to share what I was going through with people who like, like, well, you look fine. Like I expect this out of you, but I'm like, I need to take a minute. I'll be in the bathroom I'll be back like there's not much I can do about it right now you know it's a long journey it's a lot of ups and downs and learning and unlearning things and I find that like not having anyone to relate to or talk to about it it can be feel very lonely isolating like because like gut health really affects your mental health as well. And people with an imbalance often have depression and anxiety and to struggle with all of that on top of everything, like it can get very scary. So, you know, I often like 
say to people like I know bowel disease isn't sexy you know what I mean like it's not like really marketable in a sense like not a lot of people want to talk about that or have that in their face but like it's so needed and this is sexy like talking about it openly and in, in a great space where you can feel empowered to share your story like that is so sexy and that makes me so happy because I think there's so many people out there who like are going through bowel disease or they don't know that they are and they're just really struggling with their gut health and nobody's talking to them about it until like you start talking like I'll occasionally write some posts about my journey and my inbox will just be flooded with like and what did you do because I'm experiencing this and I love it I think it helps doesn't it I think that's the the feedback we've had so far which has been so awesome not just the bloody feedback about how Sarah looks (laughs) FYI (sighs) fantastic always <laughs> the other <laughs> feedback <laughs> not from I'll my you any day, girl <laughs> has been that um well one that people haven't stopped laughing which is great because that's what we wanted to do but also yeah. just being so honest and raw and open and you know anything's on the table I think that's like you just said Britt that's what helps isn't it because again it's like breaking down that stigma it's getting people more comfortable comfortable and confident talking about this sort of stuff and that's really important and if we can help one person do that then I can happily sleep at night yes that's all I hope for because like we beat ourselves up enough as it is you know what I mean especially with this disease like you know the amount of stuff that you go through and you do it alone that like it doesn't have to be that way so you know, connect to those other women who are successful and not letting their disease rule their life. But when it does, they know enough to listen to their bodies and give them what it needs instead of just like plow through. Um, it's important, but I mean, we're all learning, right? So it's good to learn together. Absolutely. It was so lovely to connect with you ladies and do this. Okay. Thank you for holding the space for me. Thank you so much for breaking our guest virginity. Oh, yeah. It's definitely better than my first time. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.